Hi, I'm Josh Roberts, the Family Ministries Pastor at International Family Church. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If there's anything you need, contact us at intlfamilychurch.com. Now here's today's message. My name's Josh Roberts. I'm the Family Ministries Pastor here at International Family Church. And I'm going to bring the word to you today. Our pastors are away, and they're down at Highway Church. I believe it's just south of Boston ministering this morning. And so I'm going to pick up in part five of our series, One Month to Live. Anybody been following along in the book? Man, what a great, what a great resource. I want to just recap for those of you that haven't been here. Uh, we're talking a series about, about life. And we, we think about one month to live. The assumption is we're talking about death and dying and preparing for, for one month. And that's not, the, that's not the case with this series. This whole series has been modeled around the idea of living life to the fullest in this moment. Living life to the, to the utmost to which God created it. And in week one, Pastor talked about living between the dash. And he talked about the dash between your birth date and the date that you die. And he talked about embracing our time. And he asked us, how, how are we spending our time? Are we investing our time? Are we spending our time wisely? Because that dash represents the amount of time that we have here on earth. In week two, Pastor talked about living passionately. It's important that we live life with some passion. It was actually a, a, a scripture in the Bible that says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your... You're going to have to help me this morning. With all your passion, one translation says. That means life ought to be exciting. Can I tell you this? If life isn't exciting, you're doing it wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's preaching already. Listen, if life isn't exciting, maybe you're not doing it the way that God intended it. We should be passionate about the way that God created us and created us in this season. Amen. In week three, he talked about love completely. And they said the day that we stop loving is the day that we stop living. I want to encourage you, man, if you're holding on to regrets, let go of them. If you're holding on to pain, let it, just let it go. It's way better to love every day because then you can live fully in the moment. Last week, Pastor preached a powerful message, and the, 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 the takeaway was learn humbly. Everybody say humbly. And he said this is a profound statement. I wrote it down. God's plan is not comfort, but it's character development. It's not about the ease of life. It's about us becoming all that he's called us to be. And so if you missed any of the messages, you can go back on intlfamilychurch.com and you can watch those messages there. We're going to talk today, part five, about leaving boldly. Everybody say, leave boldly. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you that you would use me to, to speak life into each and every listener, whether they're here, whether they're in their car, whether they're away watching on their device, or whether they're watching this on an archive service years later. Father, I thank you that your word forever stays the same. So Lord, I ask you to give me boldness to declare this word today, just as you've placed it in my heart. Lord, we lift up our pastors this morning as they're ministering out of town. We ask you to be with them, that there would be grace on every word and every action that he would do in the pulpit today. Lord, we, we extend our faith to him and attach it with him, that he would be a blessing to the hearers today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Let's jump right in. Number five, leave boldly. My main takeaway, I'm going to give it to you right off the bat, is this, everyone desires to leave a lasting imprint in life. 
Every single one of us has a deep down desire to leave a lasting imprint in life, even if you don't feel it right now today. Something that outlives you, a legacy to be remembered that made a difference. It doesn't matter if you feel like you want to leave a legacy. It was God's plan put in you from before you were born that you would leave a mark on this earth. I think so many people try to live a quesarasara kind of life because they want to avoid this. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's my life. No, it's not your life. It's his life in you. And when you understand that you belong to him, then you'll understand that he put a desire in you to have a lasting imprint. In this life, in this season, something that outlives you, a legacy to be remembered that made a difference. Did you ever make sandcastles at the beach? Let me just ask this. Anybody like the beach? Come on now. I I love the beach. It's one of our favorite places. My wife says it's her happy place. And you know what? We both grew up going to the beach. I remember as a little kid, we'd go to the beach and you'd have your, you know, your pail and your, and your, uh, and your little shovel. And what did you want to do? I mean, we haven't even set the stuff down, man. And what are we doing? We're digging. Maybe us guys are digging. I mean, we're just digging instantly. It's like ingrained in us. We got to dig a hole to China. And so, man, we, me, I have two brothers and a sister. And, and, and first thing at the beach, that's what we want to do. I want to dig, dig, dig. Well, let's find a good place to set up, you know. Forget that, man. Let's dig now. And so growing up, that was what we did. We built sandcastles. And you remember as you got older, the sandcastles got a little bit more intricate you got like more of an architect mind going on. And instead of just like a mound of sand, man, you're making moats. You know, when the ocean washes in and fill the moat, you'd get all excited. And all of a sudden you're building towers and, you know, your brother comes over and kicks it and that's when you have the fist fight. (laughs) You work so hard on the sand castle and and the, the hardest part is leaving the castle. Remember, it's time to go, leave the beach, and you're just like, okay, nobody touch it. Just leave it, you know. This is my legacy right here. Somebody's going to see it, and Josh was a great sandcastle builder. And you know, you come out the next day only to be disappointed. Where's the castle? It's gone because the waves had come in that night and washed all your hard work away. Remember how disappointing that was? And then guess what? You start all over. The truth is, is no matter how big we build the castles, no matter how many moats, how many sections, how many hours invested, every single night the tide came in and washed it all away. I wonder if people in here are living that same kind of life today. That everything that we work for gets washed away at the end of the day. You ever clean the house? And only to find the next day that it is a wreck again? How about this when you make your bed all nice and neat and, man, it's perfect and you go to work and then you come home tonight, that night you're exhausted and you rip through those sheets, you just pull the covers over your head and you want to go to sleep till the next morning. You think, I got to do all that again. You know, I don't know about your house, but it's a pain for me because my wife has like 35 pillows on the bed (laughs) and they have strategic order in which you place them. We've got blankets we don't even use that are folded up there. I mean, I mean, like every day I'm like, I got to do this all over again. How about anybody that likes to cook? You, you spend time in the kitchen. Man, yesterday I was grilling out. We're grilling pork chops. It's beautiful outside. And man, we're having a great time. And then I realized I got to clean the grill after all this is done. And then you get all the utensils. You have a great meal. And then you got to do all the dishes. Only to a few hours later, everybody's like, hey, I'm hungry again. Can you cook something else? All your hard work washed away. You mop the floor. 
And all of a sudden, your three-year-old comes running through the house because he's been outside getting dirty. All your hard work washed away. I think a lot of people live their life this way. They live a sandcastle life. They, they build these things up, and all their hard work gets washed away at the end of every single day. The truth is, is that everything that we do in earth gets washed away. But everything that God's called us to do, and he speaks to us about our own life, guess what? It's eternal. It will last forever. So let me encourage you today. Don't be so worried about the day-to-day things that you do that nobody notices. It's all going to get washed away. What we need to be concerned about are the things that only God knows that he spoke to us about that will last the test of time. It's important that we get our mind fixed on eternity And not so much down here. Every one of us has a desire to leave a legacy and leave a mark on this earth. Let me say this to you, and I'm going to say it multiple times today. An inheritance is something that you leave for somebody, but a legacy is something you leave in somebody. So many of us work so hard all these years to to leave something for our kids and our grandkids or our spouse or our family. We grind and grind and hustle and hustle to do what? To leave something for them. But what if God, just what if, God's intention wasn't leaving something for them, but rather leaving something in them? Would you work differently? Would you spend your time differently? Would you invest specific time with people? Would you think about your day-to-day priorities differently if you realized it wasn't about leaving something for them, but rather leaving something in them? I want to read you this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 will be kind of the foundation scripture for today's message. And it says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because there will be a day that will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire. Everybody say fire. Fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder, he will receive a reward. I like to say it this way. We're going to have one final party at the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus is going to have his lighter. And he's going to light our works on fire. Anybody like fireworks? Yeah. I love fireworks. Man, I love fireworks. I love seeing stuff go boom. But the day that I don't want to see stuff go boom is the day I stand before God. What a mistake will that be? The Bible says that we building our life with different materials. Some are building them with normal materials, earthly materials, like wood, hay, and straw. And there's others that are building them with Gold, silver, one one translation says precious stones. Those materials are eternal. Let me ask you this. If you had to judge your life right now, what would you say you've been building your life with? Gold, silver, precious stones? Or would it be wood, hay, and stubble? Here's the thing. When Jesus lights our works on fire, I don't want to see a bonfire go up. I want to see it remain because I used eternal materials to build that don't just last for this lifetime, but will last for eternity. Truth is, a lot of people are confused on what those materials are. So let's talk about them today. I want to give you three materials, 
three building materials that will help build a lasting eternal legacy. Are you ready? Number one, the first building material is convictions. Everybody say convictions. The first material that we need to use to build an eternal legacy are the convictions of our life. Convictions include your values, your commitments, and motivations. The truth is, is as believers, if you're a Christ follower, our conviction should only come from one place, and that's God's Word. Because it's the only thing that is eternal. So many people are building their convictions off of all kinds of things. Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says this. It says, the grass withers and the flowers will fall, but the word of God endures forever. It's not on the screen, but Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you know much about the scripture, Jesus and his word are the same. So how do we build godly convictions? It comes from the book. How do we build a lasting eternal legacy that will remain beyond our minimal lives here on earth? We go to the Word. We go to the Word and we dig out the convictions that He placed in there for us to be Christ's followers. You know when Jesus walked the earth, there were certain convictions He had? There were certain convictions that He had that the other disciples didn't have. And the longer they were with Jesus, guess what? Their convictions began to change. The way that they live their life begin to change. Guess what? That's us. That should be our life. So many people in this society, in this day and age, they build their convictions on temporal things like trends, fads, or styles. What's current? What are people into? And they live their life and base convictions on getting the popular vote from everybody else and being liked. Guess what? That's a temporal conviction, but God's word is eternal. How about culture? People base their convictions on culture every time. I hear young people all the time saying, well, you don't know what it's like to live today. You don't know what it's like to live in society today. Yeah, I do. I'm living here. Come on, man. Yes, I do. I'm living right here in this moment. The difference between what you're saying and what I'm saying is I've chosen to live by convictions that surpass the culture in which we live. I'm living my life based on convictions that he gave 2,000 years ago. So many people are living a life of conviction based on what other people are doing around them, and they're shifting their convictions. I'm going to go there second service. Y'all want to hear that. How about this? People read books and they change their convictions. Have you read this book? Oh, my God. It was a game changer for me. The light bulb came on, and all of a sudden, what they used to believe... They now put on the shelf because this is at the top of the New York Times bestselling list. Guess what? That list changes every week. But the Word of God never changes. We can't base our convictions off of what someone wrote just because it sells a lot of books. Governments, political parties, based on who's off, who is in office and who's ruling the land, some people live their convictions by those people. Listen, the Bible says governments will come and go. Leaders will come and go. But the word of God, it stays the same. It's never going to change. To build a lasting legacy that will outlast you for eternity, your first building material has to be core convictions based on one thing, the infallible word of God. Matthew 7 verse 26 says this, but if you just use my words in Bible studies... And don't work them into your life. 
You're like the stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Not only do our convictions need to be founded on God's word, they also have to be lived out in this lifetime. Listen, if you're not living out your conviction, they're not convictions, they're just beliefs. I'll say it over here. If, if you're not living out your convictions on a day-to-day basis, it's not really a conviction. Amen. It's a belief or maybe at best an opinion or an idea. Amen. The truth is, is that God's not called us to have convictions that don't get lived out. Can't just go to Bible study. Well, I go to life group. So? Hey, I serve on a dream team. And? Hey, I, I worship God every day in my house. I love Hillsong music. And listen to me. You can't just study the Bible. You can't just go to church. You can't just follow the rules. You can't just be a good person. The truth is, is if it's going to stand the eternal test of time, it has to be a conviction that's lived out. Listen to this. Convictions are worthless unless they're converted into conduct. I didn't put that one on there. That's a freebie. You have to write that one down. Only those that are taking notes get that one. Convictions are worthless unless they're converted into conduct. The truth is you really don't believe something unless you live it out. How about the story of Daniel? He's a great example of somebody that lived by convictions. And by the way, Daniel isn't just some Bible story that we tell our kids. He was a real man that lived a real life that suffered persecution in a, in a country that he had been held captive in. And even in that moment of being a prisoner in another land, guess what? He still lived by conviction. He still stood, stood to his ground, even if it was going to cost him his life. I believe that's probably the real test of a conviction. Someone said a conviction is something that you just hold on to. No, a conviction is something that holds on to you. Listen to me, a conviction isn't just something that's like, well, this is what I believe. It's like, no, this is what I'm willing to die for. Daniel lived in a time where they tried to erase prayer from society, and yet his buddies and some guys knew that he was praying three times a day. You can study the story for yourself in your own quiet time. Daniel chapter 6 says that they asked the king to decree a law that if anybody would pray to any other god, that they would be what? Thrown in the lion's den. Come on, man. How crazy is that? I mean, here we just throw people in jail for preaching. What if we started throwing people in lion pits? We'd have a lot less street preachers, I can tell you that. Listen, in jail, you at least get a job. You make some money. You can buy a ho-ho and a ding-dong. I mean, you can get food. You get snacks. You sleep on a bed. But all of a sudden, we said, hey, you, you can't pray anymore. And if you do, guess what? We're taking you to the zoo because those guys are hungry. You wouldn't have to deal with street preachers anymore. We'd find out where their convictions really stood. Listen to this. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. That's living with conviction. That's living with conviction. Daniel was a foreigner to Babylon, yet 
After this, guess what? He influenced all their kings and became a person of notoriety and great authority. You know what happens when you live by conviction? Favor follows you. Favor opens doors to a place that you don't belong. I'm just going to give you this. This is just coming to me right now. But listen, if you want more favor in your life, and you want more doors open to you, and you want to find yourself seated in front of people where you don't belong, find your convictions and stand firm. Get in the Word of God and find out who He has to say about who you are and whose you are and own it. Own it. Not just like, well, when you're here in church, oh, good to see you, Miss Althea. I love you. No, own that outside the door. Be who you are all the time. And all of a sudden, in a moment, you'll find yourself in a place where you don't belong. People say, how'd you get here? um, I'm not sure, but I think it's the favor of God. Well, how'd you do that? Well, I just began to live my life by a set of principles. When you set principles in order in your life, the favor of God will take you places you don't belong. You'll find yourself getting stuff that doesn't belong to you. Well, what was the difference? Well, he was a man of principle. He was a man of character. He was a man of convictions. Daniel finding himself before the king, where once he was captive, now he's leading You want to be a standout on your job? Live by conviction on your job. Stop stop doing what everybody else is doing to get out of work and work harder because it's a conviction in your life. Everybody else is taking 15-minute smoke breaks. Guess what? You take that 15 minutes while everybody else is scrolling around and show them that you're there to work. And guess what? You'll find yourself promoted very quickly. Show up early. Stay late. Oh, man. Somebody need to hear that today. If you're going to build a lasting legacy, you're going to have to build them with eternal convictions in your life. Right now, for for me and my family, I have a three-year-old son. It's very important that I'm thinking about the convictions that we're instilling in him. Listen to me, parents. It's your responsibility to instill convictions in the life of your kids. Here's the thing. If you don't instill them in them when they're gone from your house, they're going to fall for everything. I wrote it down. I love that thing. It says, uh, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Why is it that 80% of high school seniors never come back to church again? 80%, 8 out of 10 students that leave high school will never go back to church again. Why? What's well, easy. They didn't have any convictions. They were going to church with mom and dad because that's what mom and dad do. You better make sure that your son and daughter have a solid stand of who they are and what they believe before you release them into the wild, parents. Your son will come back from one year at college and he'll be like, who is this kid? What do you believe? And his belief system has been 360 degrees rotated five times. For what? We didn't instill convictions in him before he left about what right and wrong is quiet in here now but listen this is a responsibility this is a responsibility as parents from God listen we're we're stewarding his gift number two we'll move on you guys ready 
The second material that's eternal that we use to build a legacy is character. Character is something we don't talk about very much anymore. We like to talk about personality more than character. Oh, he's got a great personality. Yeah, but what about his character? She's fun to be around. Yeah, but what about her character? Character is what will help build an eternal legacy. See, when you leave the earth, you won't take stuff with you. The only thing you take is your character. Character, it's who you are. The the, the dictionary says this, it's the mental and moral qualities distinct to an individual. One, One theologian said it's the sum of qualities that defines a person. It's everything you are. It's your intellect. It's your thoughts. See, some people think that character is only things that people know about you. But your character is how you think every day. It's your thoughts. It's your ideas. It's your motives. Why you do things. Your intentions. Your temperament. It's your judgment, your behavior, your imagination, your perception of things and people. It's your emotions. It's your loves and your hates. All of those define your character. And the truth is, your character defines the foundation on which you're building the rest of your life. (laughs) Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, God knew what he was doing. We can probably just stop right there. (laughs) You ever had that question like, dude, do you know what I'm going through? He said, I knew what I was doing. Some of you just need to get an understanding that God knows what's going on. His word's never going to change. And so whatever his word says is where we have to line up. He says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset, the beginning, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. What did pastor say last week? God's not trying to get us comfortable. He's trying to define our character, to shape and mold us into what? The character of the son. Well, what should character look like? Get in the Word and find out what the life of Jesus looked like. I'm amazed at how many people read the Bible every day, but yet they have no idea who Jesus was. What I mean by that is they know that He was the Son of God, He died, but they don't understand who He was, who His character was, what His intellect was like, what His loves and hates were, what His ideas, motives, intention, what was His temperament, His judgment. Because here's the thing, when you get into studying the life of Christ, what you'll find is a man of true character. What was it for as an example? It was an example for each and every one of us to follow that our character would be in tune with his. God knew what he was doing from the beginning. He had already decided from the outset to shape our lives of those because we love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross. He came to show us the way. He didn't just come to do one thing. He came to do many things. And how do we figure that out? We look at the life of Christ. Someone asked Michelangelo, the sculptor, after he created the statue David, the beautiful statue 
I said, how did you create that? How did you craft that? He said, it's easy. I just chipped away everything that didn't look like David. It's kind of profound. I just chipped away every little piece of marble that didn't look like him. That's how we should live. Allowing and asking God to chip away anything every day that doesn't look like Jesus, the Son of God. To leave a lasting legacy, we have to ask God daily for help to chip away anything that doesn't look like the Messiah. I want to give you three tools. You can write these down. Three tools that God uses to help us chip away and refine our character flaws. The first thing he uses, to go back to it, is his word. Listen, the longer you spend in his word, the easier it is to point out the things that don't belong in your life. The more we read his word and the more that we study his word, it's easy to see what the life should look like and what our life should not look like. Make it easy as a tool to chip away those things. Number two, God uses people. Sometimes we don't like this one, but God uses people to help chip away at our character. Don't be so hard-headed when someone comes up to you and says, hey man, I noticed this in your life recently and I just want to ask you about it. Maybe it's God using somebody to point out something to you that you've overlooked. Something that needs to be chiseled away. Something that needs to be removed. Some people never define their character because they don't want to live around other people and do life with other people. But you need to understand God wants to use people to help refine your character. Number three, the third tool that God uses to chip away at our character is he uses circumstances. This is another one we don't like to talk about. Circumstances provide an environment that we need to practice our character development so we can keep the growing going. My dad used to say, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Did you ever hear that? You're up there with the baseball bat, and you strike out, and you're like, and your dad said, practice makes perfect. I don't want to hear that right now. Thank you. <laughs> Guess what? Some people avoid circumstances and interaction in life because they don't want to practice their character. It's a tool that God has provided in life that we get to use or not use. Let me challenge you. Don't run, away from, don't run away from circumstances. Run face forward into them, knowing that in that situation, I'm going to be refined. I, I like the scripture in Proverbs that says, um, iron sharpens iron. Every men's group at every church that I've been at used that scripture. Iron sharpens iron. You need to get around some other knights and sharpen your sword. We come up with these silly cliches, you know, knights in shining armor. And we're going to get together and we're going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to hone your blade to be so sharp. Because iron, it sharpens iron. But then when you get in those groups, it's patty cake. How you doing? Good to see you. How's your wife? My kids? Yeah, they're awesome. Job, it's perfect. Everything's great, man. Next Thursday, again, tacos, you want to do that? Sounds good. Let's do that again. The next week they get together, high five. How you doing? Good to see you. What's up? Come on in, get a cozy seat. And we got men's groups meeting all over the world and their character's not being refined because it's a fist bump club. You good? I'm good. All right, tell your wife. I said, hey, see you next week. 
Listen, when iron sharpens irons, let me tell you something. There's friction. Uh, there's friction and there's sparks. When you create a blade or a sword or anything, it has to be forged in fire. Iron sharpening iron is a messy process. Listen, circumstances provide the place for friction to happen. And it shouldn't freak you out. All it should do is make you more aware that maybe your character isn't where it needed to be. I just be honest with you, I'm preaching to myself today. I'm talking about me, not you. If it applies to you, great. I'm just preaching to myself. I need to be around people that challenge me. They call me out on my junk. That are my friends. You ever been walking around, your pants are undone? You've been at the mall for an hour and your wife looks over and says, you realize your pants are unzipped? That's a godly wife. You ever been with your buddy at the mall? And you realized after an hour your pants have been unzipped the whole time and he didn't say anything? That's not a good friend, man. You need to move that dude out of your life. He's laughing at you the whole time and you're like, what's up? What's going on? But yet we do it to each other as believers every day. We don't want to say something because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We want to be too politically correct. We don't want to insult or hurt somebody. Listen, as believers... Oh, this ain't in my notes. I'm just going to preach to Mo. This is what we do, man. This is who we are. I got a booger hanging out my nose. Tell me. If I'm acting like an idiot, tell me. Some of these character flaws, we don't see them because we're inside ourselves. This is fun today. If you study, if you will study and apply God's word, Connect regularly with other believers and trust God in difficult circumstances. Your Christ-like character will surely grow and develop. Go ahead, take a shot of that one. That's good. If you'll study and apply God's word, be a doer of the word. Connect regularly, not once a month. You know, the average person comes to church twice a month and they wonder why their lives are going down the wrong road. Connect regularly with other For what? Your iron to be sharpened and have faith in God during the difficult circumstances that he's refining and forming you into who he wanted Christ to be for you. And guess what? That's where we get the growth and the development, which leaves the lasting legacy. Let's move on. Number three, the third material we use to build a lasting legacy is community. We started with convictions. We talked about character, and the third C is community. God's word lasts forever. We've already established that. Convictions and godly character last forever, but people also last forever. People last forever. We're eternal beings. This doesn't define who you are. This will go in the grave at some point, but our spirit man, guess what? It will, it's going to go to heaven and live forever with other believers. Why is it that we think that these relationships are only for down here? Amen. Well, pastor, do you think I'll know my wife in heaven? I hope so. Because <laughs> a lot of us are going to be lost without our wives. <laughs> well, you think that we'll know our kids? Of course you'll know your kids. They were a gift of God to you. Amen. Stop living like it's just here. Start living like it's all out there. 
and understand that the relationships of people will help build a lasting legacy in your life. You're not called to do life alone. Amen. It's why one of, our, one of our main staples here in this church is life groups. So that you can form godly relationships to grow your character, to develop your convictions, but to leave a lasting legacy. It involves other people. Think about the life of Jesus. He picked 12. For what reason? Because he needs somebody to hang out at the beach with? Eh, not really. Needs somebody to go to the fish fry with? Not really. Jesus was on a mission. I like to say it this way. He was on a search and rescue mission. And when you think about it in the sense of search and rescue, that means it's high priority. We lived in the, in the mountains in, in uh, California, right there in the mountains, and people would get lost in the mountains all the time. Get off the trail. I heard a story of a, a woman a few years ago get caught up in the White Mountains up here, and, and she, was, she was gone for three days. Nobody could find her. She was gone. What'd they do? They sent out a search and rescue party. So what do you do? You gather people who are skilled in searching and rescuing others. What did Jesus do? He gathered 12 to create a posse to turn this world upside down. Jesus himself had to have community to leave a lasting legacy. How do you think it is that we have the gospel right here in North Reading today? Well, it was the responsibility of 12 to carry on the legacy that one brought from God the Father. So if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for you. The truth is, is if Jesus needed community, we need community. And I know some of you are sitting here saying, well, I'm too busy to go to a life group. Or I'm too busy to get on a team. I love you enough to tell you, you're too busy. Thank you, Miss Althea. I'll preach over here to you. Because I hear it all the time. I'm too busy, man. I, I, listen, I, I, I got a lot going on right now. Yeah, for what? Well, I'm making money. Good for you. Is that going to last? No, it's going to be gone. Well, I'm building, a, I'm building this. I'm building a business. I'm going to school. I'm all about all those things, but not at the expense of a relationship with other people. Amen. It's important that you're on a team. It's important you're in a life group because in those groups is where God refines your character and your convictions, which help you build a platform for legacy. Never get too busy to be a part of a community. There's actually some issues in life that won't be changed with just prayer and Bible study by themselves. God wants other people to come around you. You need to be a part of a church, not a building or a program. The truth is, is a church is people, not a facility or a system. Ecclesiastes says it this way. It says, if you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall without having a friend nearby, you're, you're really in trouble. Hebrews 3.13 says, you must encourage one another each day and you must keep on while there is still time that can be called today. For if you don't, then sin may fool some of you and make you stubborn. I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time. I, I love this quote by John Maxwell. It says this, only one out of 10 people can fulfill their God-given potential by themselves. The other nine... They're going to need help. Only one out of ten will leave a legacy by themselves. The other nine of us, I'm included in that. I need some help. 
We're going to need some help. So how do we do that? We, we in, involve ourselves with the right people. I don't know where I heard it, probably from my father or maybe even from my mom, but I've been saying this statement for years. And I want to give it to you today because I would challenge you to say it over and over and over and over and over. I would tell you to tattoo it on your arms, but some of you may take that seriously, so I won't do that. And it's this statement. I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Well, how do you know that? Because I just said it. I'm in the right place with the right people doing the right thing. It's a statement that I live by. But it's a statement that I also not just say it, I believe it. I make sure that I'm spending time with the right people. I'm spending time with people who make me better. I spend time with people who have overcome the situations and circumstances that I'm dealing with right now. I'm spending time with families who their marriage is solid and their kids are on the right track. What about you? Have you ever been around someone and saw their life and said, man, I want, I want that in my life. I want to be that kind of Christian or I want that kind of marriage. I want to be successful like they are. Or I want to know God like they know God. You can have that. It just needs to become a conviction that you live by. And then it takes you monitoring those that you're with to make sure that they're moving the same direction. I've said this to you before. The four closest people in your life determine the trajectory and the outcome. And I'll add this, they'll, they'll impact your legacy whether you have one or whether you don't have one. What a time and age that we need to be monitoring the people that our kids are hanging out with more than ever. We've got a generation of parents that are just saying, oh, just go hang out at Billy's house. That's fine. Just make sure you're home by dinner. What's going on at Billy's house that you don't know about? His abusive father, the drunken mother, the molesting neighbor, the one that's studying witchcraft. Oh, well, they're good people. Do you know them? Why are our kids being sub subjected to so much stuff? Because we're allowing them to come and go and do whatever they want to do. Because it's 2018, man. Listen to me. I meet more young people that were molested in other people's homes because they won't tell anybody about it because they weren't supposed to be there in the first place. And they're psychologically messed up and having a hard time with their marriage because some parent let them do what they wanted to do. How dare us allow our kids to do whatever they want for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And my kids are going to be surrounded by people that love the Lord. And my kids are going to go to kids' church even when they don't want to, kicking and screaming. Because I know something they don't know. That the Word of God is going to build a foundation and a legacy for them. Your teenager doesn't know what's best for him. He's in the most confusing time of his life. Be a parent. Stand your ground. Live by convictions. Well, they're going to hate me. Listen, I'd rather them hate me than them die early. It's time. 
for International Family Church to be an example for the families in our community of what it means to live a godly Christ-like life. And when their kids come into our homes, it's different. And when our kids do go to their home, they're not going there to be impacted. They're going there to leave an impact. I'm over my time. 1 Corinthians 3.12 is where we started. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, some use wood, hay, and stubble, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. Listen to me. Wood, hay, and stubble, what are they? They're things that grow above the surface of the ground. They're the things that people see. Oh, a successful business, great house, lots of money, cool car, vacations. It's the stuff that people see. That stuff gets burned up in a moment. The only things that remain are things that have to be mined and dug for. The gold and silver and precious stones, they're all below the surface. There are the things that only you know about because God spoke to you about them, not everybody else. You want to build a lasting legacy? Go ahead and burn up all the junk yourself. Get rid of the wood, hay, and the stubble, all the personality things that, that make you who you are. And do it for yourself before you stand in front of him and he does it for you. To build a lasting legacy that's eternal, it's the things that only you know God told you to do. The only thing that will last are the things that he spoke to us about. Forget about what he spoke to your sister or your neighbor or your cousin or your mom. What did he say to you? That's the legacy you want to leave. Father God, we thank you for this time together. I thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. Lord, I pray for those that are having a, a revelation right now that their life it's all above surface ground stuff. It's, it's superficial and it's not going to last. Help them to refine their, their life, to find their character, their convictions. Surround them with godly people so that they'll have a legacy to be proud of. Lord, get us away from this, you know, leaving stuff for our kids. Help us to remember we need to leave something in our kids. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. The truth is, is without Jesus as the foundation for your life, you have no legacy. Everything you're working towards will be burned up in a moment when you stand before God. We started this day with everybody has a desire to leave a legacy. Every single one of us has something in us that wants to be remembered for. Build your life on the right foundation so you have something to leave. So at the end of your life, you're not like that sandcastle Christian that builds everything and it just gets washed away. I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior by just simply saying, God, I need your help. I believe. I believe my life has meant more than what I'm doing by myself. I need your help. If you're here today and you say, man, pray for me. Would you just raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. Just put your hand up and say, man, that's me. I, I need a, a new foundation to build my life upon. I need Jesus. I've been doing this my way, but it's all surface stuff. 
Anybody here today and you say, man, pray for me. I see you, man. Yep. Anybody else want to join this one? Yes, I see you. Yes. Life's too short to let it blow up in one moment. Anybody else with a raise of hand, just say, pray for me, man. I, I want to leave a legacy. I need Jesus in my life. I need that help. Let's do this today. Let's all pray this together, whether you've prayed this 500 times or whether you're like a few of these, this is your very first time. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to give me life. I believe you died for me to pay for my sins and that God raised you on the third day so I, through you, could leave a mark. So today, I choose you as my foundation. Lord Jesus, forgive me for doing life my way. Today, I choose you. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. You've just listened to part five of our current series, One Month to Live. Join us next week as Pastor Jonathan will be concluding the series. If you've enjoyed today's message, consider subscribing to receive our podcast every week.